Section 5 of On Chronic Alcoholic Intoxication With an Inquiry into the Influence of the Abuse of Alcohol as a Predisposing Cause of Disease by William Marset. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Affections of the Nervous System Resembling Chronic Alcoholic Intoxication There exist certain disorders of the functions of the nervous system owing to other causes than intemperance, and closely resembling chronic alcoholism. They are produced by long-continued and excessive intellectual exertions, and by sudden and violent emotions. These affections exhibit symptoms which bear a close analogy to those of chronic alcoholism, and I have treated them successfully by the same means. I have preserved notes relating to several patients who suffered from disorders of the nervous system owing to excessive mental exertions, the principal symptoms being headache and giddiness, with much nervous uneasiness and sometimes hallucination, want of sleep and occasional palpitations. In 1854, I attended Mrs. B., aged 24. For the last three months, she had been greatly engaged with literary pursuits and ascribed her illness to excessive reading and exertion of the mind. She suffers from headache, giddiness, and great nervous uneasiness. She cannot sleep at night. Her appetite is indifferent, and she is subject now and then to palpitations. The following is a remarkable case which came under my notice where the disturbance of the nervous system from excessive mental exertion and anxiety, had reached such a pitch as to amount to actual mental alienation. C.T., age 41, as a gas rate collector, apparently in easy circumstances, of a very nervous temperament and excitable temper. He had always been a gas inspector, and subject to much anxiety connected with his business. There exists a slight tendency to suicide, but he observes that he never would or could destroy himself. He is accompanied by his wife, who considers all he says as the perfect truth. C.T. expresses himself fluently, and his memory appears very lucid. From the minute account he gives of his case, on September 13, 1855, he was engaged the whole day in writing, and appeared much excited. He went to bed at 11 o'clock, and the next morning rose at 3. At 9 a.m. he proceeded to his business, leaving his papers in great disorder, which he had never done before. He returned home at 5 p.m. and asked for some tea. Having shortly afterwards kissed his children, his wife was then absent, he left home, though for no definite purpose, taking a few pounds with him. He wandered about all night and found himself in the morning at Hampton Court. He continued walking, not knowing where he was going or why he had left his house, and after some days arrived at Southampton. He next embarked on a packet leaving for France, and resumed his rambles in Normandy, where he suffered great privations, sleeping in the fields and on the high road, and living upon nothing but turnips, apples, and water. Having remained abroad for about one month, at the commencement of November, he returned to Plymouth, stopping on his way at Jersey, and then wandered to Tainmouth, Totnes, Exeter, and from thence to Bristol and Clifton. He still had some money with him, although he thought he had none, and that he wanted none with the view of joining his family on the birthday of one of his children. This unfortunate man returned home and arrived late at night at his own door. The person who opened it unluckily did not recognize him and closed the door upon him. He then set off again on his rambling life and walked to Brighton with the object of visiting some relations who he knew would be kind to him. But when at Brighton, he never called upon them, although he passed under their very windows. He does not know why he did not see them. From Brighton he went to Shoreham, to Worthing, and to Preston, where his money being entirely spent, and having no food, he began to suffer the most bitter pangs of hunger. 
He used his utmost endeavors to obtain food from charitable institutions, and was directed to Arundel, whence, finding no relief, he proceeded to Chichester. In this town his sufferings from hunger were such that he was induced to produce food by dishonest means. He was taken up and imprisoned, with hard labor, for twelve days. When liberated he immediately started for London, where he walked in two days, the distance being sixty-four miles. During the journey he took nothing but bread and water. He proceeded immediately to his house, and arrived there on the 27th November, having been absent from home more than two months. It was not until this patient had been thoroughly cross-questioned that I could believe the foregoing account. In order to obtain a corroborative evidence, I examined his naked feet and found the soles hardened, resembling tough leather, and showing that he certainly walked a considerable distance. This patient called on me in April 1861. He was quite well and engaged in an active and responsible situation. His health had been perfectly sound since he had left off my treatment, which he gratefully acknowledged. Sudden grief may produce symptoms identical with those of chronic alcoholism. Indeed, in the following case, I was with some difficulty convinced that the patient was not addicted to the habit of excessive drinking. R.M., a coal porter, admitted as an outpatient on March 10th, 1859, is of regular habits, and has never been addicted to drinking, has not been more than twice in his life the worse for liquor. Lost his wife eight months ago, at which he was greatly distressed, and since then suffered from the frequent occurrence of giddiness, headache, and black specks before his eyes. He trembles a great deal, especially in the morning, cannot sleep well at night, but his sleep is not disturbed by nightmare, is very weak, yet has not given up work, has smoked a great deal after the death of his wife, for the purpose, he says, of driving care away. He now perceives that smoking makes him very giddy, and he is gradually giving up the habit. There are other diseases exhibiting the symptoms in common with chronic alcoholism, such as chorea, hysteria, the sequel of an attack of apoplexy, and tremors from poisoning with lead or mercury, but it would be inconsistent with our subject to enter upon any observations on these affections. Prognosis. As may be anticipated, the successful treatment of chronic alcoholism depends, first of all, on the habit of drinking to excess being given up. As soon as this result is obtained, or if the patient applies for relief, after having, of his own accord, ceased drinking, a favorable issue of the disease is to be expected. In those instances where the complaint is attended with other disorders, and if the patient be not in reduced circumstances, the treatment is very successful, the sufferer being cured of every symptom. The weakness of the limbs so prevalent in the disease is sometimes, however, troublesome to overcome entirely. But in cases where the disorder of the nervous system, consequent on intemperance, is accompanied by another disease, the treatment may have to be continued for some length of time and will sometimes leave the patient still laboring under the secondary affection. A remarkable instance of this kind, which has already been alluded to, was that of an individual subject to gout, and who was seized with chronic alcoholism at every successive return of the gouty attacks. He was treated for chronic alcoholism, and gradually the symptoms of the morbid condition of the nervous system disappeared, although the attacks of gout returned. Disease of the liver appeared in one instance to keep up chronic alcoholism, Although in the course of the treatment, a marked improvement of the nervous symptoms was obtained. Inflammation of the lungs also increases the difficulty of arresting and curing the disease. The same observation applies to disorders of the digestive organs and rheumatic affections. It must be also understood that an improvement in the secondary disease is usually attended with the relief of chronic alcoholism. End of section 5.